All right, we are back with another another interview with Music Talk. Um, I am here with a singer, bass player, musician, Paul Greenlees. How you doing today? I'm good, Rob. How you doing? You're pretty awesome. Yeah. I do look pretty interviewee with this clipboard, don't pretty, I? Yeah, it's pretty cool. It looks it looks like very official. Yes, yeah, very official with my rope sandals. Um, so you so you're a musician here in Kansas City. Um, you you started gigging pretty young, right? Yeah, I was nineteen. Yeah, yeah. What was uh, what was like? What was that like gigging so young? Were there any like challenges being so young? Um, there was questions about like, could I be in the bar not being twenty one? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But that was that was so long ago. I mean, you can unless you were really acting up, nobody would ever even card you anyway. Yeah, bar. yeah, yeah. <clears throat> you could be like, you know, you'd be like twelve and you know wearing wearing a, a six gun. <laughs> Or a shot of whiskey, probably. I don't not not that much, yeah. but you know what I mean. Um, yeah. So there there were some questions about that, but it didn't come up that much. Yeah, 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 yeah. Were there any like, did you ever have to feel that you had to like extra prove yourself because of the youngness, like with the with the band, like with your bandmates and stuff, or? Um, there was a certain you know, earlier on. There was certain opportunities I was given that I was very grateful for, but I wasn't even sure I was ready for. Mm -hmm. You know what yeah. I mean? And uh, and so for that reason, I had to really prove myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. I and it all it feels weird because you all I I bet because I you know I'm not super young, but I'm I still feel kind of young. Where I feel like I got some talent, but I, I do feel like I kind of need to prove myself. But then again, I. I know that I do and I should feel kind of grateful for all this stuff too. There's that weird like yeah. that weird emotion happening where you're you're trying to you're trying to be grateful but you're also trying to show that you can that you feel like you deserve to be there. Yeah. Yeah, like did did your uh of merit. Yeah, mm -hmm. that you're meritous, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the, the way I met you was through, uh, through Dave Hayes and the open jam, yeah. right? You guys yeah. run a couple open jams in town and uh, first of all, tell everybody what, what the heck is an open jam? An open jam is, um, uh, it's a place for musicians to get up and play with other musicians. It's great networking. You meet other people there. Um, and, uh, and that actually helped me get established in Kansas city. And because uh, I had played, starting age 19, you know, I played, played professional gigs. But when I was 23, I went to uh, Musicians Institute in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And then when I came back, I was 24, and I needed to go meet some people, mm -hmm. you know. And I was, you know, I'm from North River. Heck, I was afraid to even go south of the river. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know. Mm -hmm. And so, um, uh, of course, a year, year and a half living in Hollywood, you know. I was over being afraid of going anywhere, but, yeah, um, yeah, 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 but yeah. The, the deal was that I needed to go meet people, get myself out there, mm -hmm. and a lot of that is is really, you know, it's a lot of, it's a lot of, you know, you know, trudging, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? You, you might have to wait a long time to get up, you might not get to get up with the best guys because mm -hmm. nobody knows you, but sooner or later, people start, you know, putting two, to, two and two together that, oh, he's a nice guy or they're a nice person, they can play, mm -hmm. you know, um, and, uh, and that's, and they're almost, uh, they're kind of like job interviews almost, mm -hmm. but they're more casual and there's right. drinking involved. Yeah, and they're drinking you know? involved. Um, 
which is, you know, why you should never go to a company Christmas party, you know, mm-hmm. and drink, you know, just don't do it, man. They're looking, the dates are They're rolling. looking. But so, so, and, and even after I got established, um, uh, it, it's, it's still, I've still found a good, a good thing to go to open jams, mm-hmm. just to get out there, let people know you're there, remind them that you're there. You know, uh, if you're out of sight, out of mind, you know, mm-hmm. your phone's not going to ring. Yeah, you know? yeah. And also, uh, you know, Dave Hayes and I do so many jams with Danny Montero, Dave mm-hmm. and Danny yeah. and me do so many jams together that, uh, man, so many people come out to our jams that, man, we can't even, be- they're, they're good enough players, we can't believe they're there. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're just like, man, and uh, we're really blessed with that. You know? Oh, yeah. Um, and, uh, uh, but for me, when I go out to a jam day, it is, it is networking, but also it's an opportunity to pay back people who come to, to my jams, to our jams so many times. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's really nice. So. I mean, that's a good attitude to have. I mean, yeah, and you made an interesting point that, so, so first of all, like, the, the logistics of it are kind of funny because a lot of people can't understand how we even do this. Like, yeah. right, so, so you guys are what's called the house band, right? And the house band is just the, the you, you basically run the jam. And so it's you three guys, you do your set of songs yourself, but then like bass and drums would get off bass and drummer get on there maybe with another guitar player. Yeah. So you're playing those, those two are now playing with Dave. Then like bass, two guitars get, so that's like three songs, bass, guitar, two guitars get off, drummer stay, maybe drummer stays there or something, three more guys get on and now it's that concoction, yeah. then they get off and then another, co- it's just crazy how that, that's what's so fun about it is you get to play with so many different people every time, right? That, that, is, that is a great thing and <clears throat> um, I've, I've come from an era, just a very tail end of an era where you could play five or six nights a week at the same place mm-hmm. with the same band yeah. and that was good in a way, but also it was really bad because you really got to miss and playing with other people. Mm. And and when we host the jams, um, um, we get to play with a bunch of other people. It keeps us loose and fresh. We learn ideas from younger guys that are coming up, older players too. That you know, mm. uh, and it, and it just keeps us fresh and it's creative. Mm. And and every jam is a different thing. It depends on <clears throat> it depends on the venue where you're at. Yeah. Um, um, and even even for us, you know, depending on where we're at, uh, it depends on how we run the jam. Um, uh, sometimes, the, you know, a band will play just a few songs and then just get it up, and you don't even see those guys again. Yeah. Um, usually, with the Dave Hayes band, we have a lot a lot of people that come to see us, you know, right. and they want and they want to see the jammers, right. you know, but they want yeah. to see me and Dave and Danny, you know. And uh, which is very cool. really good and work yeah. really well. You know, yeah. they and, come to see you too. Yeah, yeah, and and it's and it's uh, uh and and you know uh, because it's a jam it is a jam. It also extends to just the host band because we really do we take a lot of liberties that we probably can't do in other bands. Yeah. You know, we can just let we can just like go places. Yeah, you know? that's cool. And it's appreciated and it works out well. And it's super fun and it mm-hmm. uh, kind of recharges my batteries batteries creatively. Um, but Different, you know, different bands <clears throat> in different uh, places do things differently. Sometimes it'll be just a few songs, get people up. We usually do a full set, and then uh, a lot of times, depending on the venue, we'll, we'll either take a break or in lieu of taking a break, we'll start getting guys like you up. We've done that several times. Yeah. We get you up during our set yeah, at a certain yeah, juncture. Which I appreciate. I like. Well, it's yeah. fun for us. It makes it look like we know cool people, Rob. Okay. <laughs> That's, you know, it's a, it's a double edged sword there. Okay. But, um, but, um, 
you know, in lieu of taking a break, we'll get some like guys that are really good up with us, augment the band, mm-hmm. and and uh, and and then go straight from that to other jammers. There's yeah, no downtime yeah. that way. Yeah. And and the people that come to our jams know that if we're getting guys up and our sets run along, we're not going to take any kind of break and have any downtime. They're getting right up after mm-hmm. us. And um, and 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 the, the the idea is, we want people that come out to our jams to have a good time. Mm-hmm. You know feel like they're treated well. And also, we want them to uh, have an opportunity to grow as musicians, you know? And we'll get uh, people up that, uh, you know, at first they're really reticent and they're really kind of scared and stuff. But you know this, Ron, playing music is like playing pool, you know? If you're playing pool, like with, you know, your nephew or something like that, you're probably not gonna play that well, right? You're gonna play at a certain level. Mm -hmm. If you're playing pool with, you know, Somebody that's like a professional pool player does tournaments and stuff like that. It's different. You're, you're yeah, seeing yeah, angles. Yeah. You're making yeah. shots that you wouldn't have never even thought you could have yeah. made. And music is playing music is like that. Agree with that. So we'll get these sometimes less experienced players up there that are kind of jittery, you know. And and you know uh, if they're on guitar, Dave will be on the other guitar. Yeah. <laughs> and it's hard to find anybody that lays it down more solid than Dave does. Yeah. <clears throat> you know what I mean? And so. Yeah, you know, put them up with a good rhythm section and Dave, and uh, and they're playing stuff they didn't even know they could play. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And uh, um, and then eventually, you know, you see, you get them in their comfort zone, and eventually you start expanding their comfort zone. Like yeah. maybe here's your comfort zone. Now we're going to throw something at you. You're not that comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And the next week, okay, your comfort zone's all the way out here. We're going to throw you something else. Yeah. And yeah. it just keeps getting better yeah. and better. To all of a sudden, they've got a lexicon of music. Yeah. So. I- and you made a really good point that I, that I definitely have to admit two two things. One, <coughs> if I had a choice, I would want to get up with you guys every time, you know, with your yeah. house band, you know, because I because I mean, there's just you know, we can start to whip and post, and you know, there's, oh, yeah. there's other songs we can do, but also that like you just said, I mean, you guys are doing stuff that that I that I can catch fast, you know, and so yeah. it, it, it's just more fun to play with really good musicians, at least in my opinion. Um, and you said something interesting too, is that even though this is for like up and comers a little bit, there is a huge, I mean, the, the open jams are actually really a big part of our music scene here. Yeah. I can't speak for other cities, but in this city, I, I mean, you'd probably agree that it's a huge part and it's not just the, I've been to five open jams and I'm trying to get myself out there. It's people that are, that go all the time, right? Professionals yeah. that still <laughs> come out and that, that's really cool, right? Oh yeah. But, I mean, for, for so long I've been like, you know, like I'll be at home and I'm like, man, I'm just dying to go to a jam, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, cause they are fun, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and you get to fellowship, there's a fellowship. Mm-hmm. You get to fellowship with other musicians. That's the biggest part of yeah. it. Yeah. And that's the biggest part of the open jams is the fellowshipping with other musicians. Yeah. Yeah. I, I felt that like for me, it wasn't necessary. I mean, there's, there's obviously certain like chops with different genres that you need to eventually start getting. But for me, like from playing so early age, when I got to Kansas city about seven years ago and I started to go to these jams for me anyways, it wasn't so much of a learning curve with like doing it with the music. It was really that I had never heard of any of these songs before, like Mojo Working and Big yeah. Boss Man, and, and of course all the jazz standards. I hadn't heard of any of those. Yeah. So for me, it was just great to go, you know, now I've probably been to two, 250 open jams, you know, so, so now I'm starting to hear all these songs over at Thrill Is Gone. Like, I mean, I hadn't heard of any of those songs. 
And so that that was really cool for me oh, to yeah. come out and hear you guys do that. Um, so my question about jams is that like it's funny in the I feel it's kind of two different things going on with if if somebody were to make the quote of what can we do to make the jams better there's kind of the jammers angle of what the jammers could do in a general sense and then there, to me there's sort of like what house bands could do to make their jam run better mm -hmm. so with the jammers would you the, the, one of the most frustrating things for me and now especially since I've been to like 200 of these things is that it is a little bit frustrating when you do get up there and a guy is really bad. Not not the guys that sort of can solo, they can chord, and they, they're sort of looking up the end of songs. You know, they, they can logistically yeah. do it. We're talking about the guys like, you know, below that. They probably shouldn't be on stage. That probably yeah. shouldn't be on stage. Do you think there should be like a baseline of ability before you get up on a stage? Uh, yes, and uh, you should be able to be able to get through a song. But also, you know, really, when guys are, are really at that perfunctory of a level, you know, usually we get them up one song, and they're so miserable by the end of it, and, and just flustered that they've had enough by one song. Most of them, you know, <laughs> they're not going to get mad if you get somebody else next. Yeah. Up next, and but, so you know, you're saying the jammer will police themselves. Sometimes. They they can. Yeah. Sometimes people have a fairly entitled attitude, and which is. Uh, fairly frustrating and uh, you know and really honestly you know I mean as far as music I'm a lifer you know what I mean this is all I do yeah. it's all I've done for a million years pick and, me pick yeah me. And, and it's yeah, yeah. And you, you too and it's what I plan on doing the rest of my life which means I'll probably have to work up until lunch on the day of my funeral there will be no retirement <laughs> but uh, but <clears throat> so you know but even if somebody's not a good musician they might be really good at their profession, right? They might be a plumber, they might yeah. be a doctor. Yeah. So, you know, just because I'm a lifer doesn't, you know, doesn't mean I'm, I'm gonna look down at them, man. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go, you know what? This guy's got a whole story I don't know about. So even if he's yeah. terrible, as long as he's being nice, I'm gonna be completely respectful of him and yeah. handle him like I would like to be handled in that situation. That's a great and, point, man. That's a great point. And really, you know, a guy that I've really learned a lot about that kind of stuff from is Dave, mm -hmm. you know? Because he's he is really not ever quick to say anything in anger. You know, he's really he kind of watches what's going on, then he talks. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, so impulsive in that sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, he's kind of like the Marcus. He's kind of like Marcus Allen. You know, like Marcus Allen to let the guys hit each other. And, yeah. You know. Yeah, and then yeah. I and I tend to be more like Natron means. You know, my shirt's untucked, my nose is running. <laughs> you know. And so what I've learned from Dave is the like, hey, maybe not say nothing right now. Maybe yeah. not say anything right now. Yeah. You know, and, and stop. You know, would be and, the benefits of that? Maybe a lot. Yeah. You know, tonight, Anytime you know. I've ever done that, you know, I've never gone, uh, boy, I wish I'd have told that guy what a schlep I thought he was. Yeah. That's yeah. never happened. Yeah, you know, yeah, usually yeah. I'm like, I sure glad I didn't say anything. Yeah. You know? You're always, yeah, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. And I, I'm, I'm, I agree with that because it's just, it's definitely frustrating when you get up on there and when, when they have a person there, but, that's really the key and that's kind of where I'm at about understanding about that whole dynamic of when that happens because um, there's uh, so so that then getting to the house band you you have like I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what the responsibility of the house band is in that in that scenario and 
And yeah. uh, so there's like, because I come from teaching world and I understand that you can't, you can't fix all your students. There's some that they're just going to be what they are, but the teacher does have quite a bit of control over what's happening right now, you know, more than they think they do, or not control, but more impact than they think they yeah. do. And so we're not going to mention his name, but I know you know who I'm talking about, keyboard player in town who comes to the jams a lot. And he, he tends to, he's one of those guys that talent-wise totally is good enough to get on stage. Mm -hmm. But, you know, he'll, he'll play ditties in between songs, right? A little bit of goober, a little bit, you know, and I, I think a lot of people don't really love him so much. And, but he has a moment where he comes to the jams, takes, you know, four hours to set his stuff up, right? And then he accidentally stays up on stage the whole night, yeah. you know? And I know you know who I'm talking about. Let's not say his name for a night. And, that, and nice, that could be but, a number of people, yeah. Yeah, it um, could be a number. He's an example of one person. And so my, my thing with that moment is that I, this is my opinion. I think one of the two reasons why nobody ever calls him out is I think the one reason is, is that, um, that, pe that a lot of band guys want people to come back to their shows. It's not just him, it's like anybody, you know, yeah. these, these 50 people in town or 25, 10 people in town that we really, that, that are kind of making your guys' jam worse. Yeah. You know, they, they get up yeah. there and it is not, you know, they're not making it worse. I think that's one of the things to make sure that we're not just being turds to every single jammer and we want them to come back. But I wonder if you could speak a little bit on the whole idea of, I wonder if people just don't like conflict. Like the, like, like if they, if they are annoyed at the jammer, but they're just hesitant to ever say anything to anybody because of how the other guy's going to react. See, that's like psychological stuff that I find fascinating. What, what do you think about that? Well, um, I, you know, in a, the uh, level of expectation for a jam and for a regular gig where you're you're paying somebody mm -hmm. two different movies. Yeah, yeah. You know, like if you watch like Lions when they play with their Cubs and stuff, they're easy on them. You yeah, know, yeah. it's another adult line. If yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. So my level of expectation and and you know and um, uh, at what juncture you're, you're going to get the look from me. <laughs> You know, or you stink know, eye. yeah, the stink eye, yeah. um, uh, or I'm going to say something to you, you know, corrective, um, you know, like, hey, can you do that different, you know? But even even in a professional thing, man, yeah. it's always just to be gentle as you can, man. Yeah. Just get get rid of all the, uh, uh, you know, uh, conflicty kind of stuff, and just do the, you know, hey, can you play that different next time? And most of the time, people are like, sure, yeah, and they yeah. do it, and it's yeah. no big deal. But if you're all like, oh, can you? <gasps> like that, then they're all defensive, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? And so, but at a jam, though, you know, like, and the particular person you're talking about, I've asked that guy to do stuff. He just looks at me and stomps his foot and at me and does it again anyway. Yeah. And I'm like, mm -hmm. and however, the guy is a personal friend. So I'm like, yeah, whatever, okay. dude, it's like kicking a puppy at that jump, <laughs> yeah, sure. yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So, um, so I try not to let things that those guys are doing bother me too much because mm -hmm. it's not, it's a jam, you know what I mean? It's, mm -hmm. there's going to be some loosey goosey stuff. And with people that um, are so bad, they tend to run people off, you know. You, uh, one thing I would say is really the jammers don't really foot the bill for the, for the band. You know, they're not really you know, eating the dinners and buying the drinks and stuff. It's people that are sitting there watching the jam go on. 
So if it descends into some kind of, you know, hodgepodge of junk, man, it, you know, people are going to leave, you know, and right. it doesn't financially support itself. Yeah. And uh, that's, you know, uh, but, you know, we don't want those guys to not have a good time or anything like that. And, and we're really blessed that most of the guys that come to our, and gals that come to our jam, can kind of play. I agree. You're yeah. quite, the quality of your jam. I mean, we've all been to. I, I'm speaking on jams in general, I guess. But your yours is decent. You know, yeah. you get decent players at yeah. your jam, and there's other ones in town that that are that are not around anymore. And there's yeah. kind of a, a little bit of a reason for that. You know, the house yeah. band is pretty average, and they don't really know what they're doing in regards to running the jam. Yeah. And then they end up attracting kind of the, you know, the other jammers that sometimes you know you know, don't necessarily deserve to be there either. Yeah. Like they're, they're quite not ready to be up on stage. And I find it really funny that when, cause, cause we've all, we've all been there. All of us have had our first jam, right? Yeah. And we've all been at a point where we, where we were not at all where we wanted to be musically, you know? So there, there's a patience level there with anybody like yourself, who's a veteran and you know, knows what they're doing. But then I have the other hand where not to the jammers, but to this bar owner right now, this is a show. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, they, they, so even, even if you're a jammer, there it is still a show. There's people watching you. There's other musicians watching you, but there's people that are patrons that are watching you, and you need to not run them out of there, or you're not going to have see, a jam to see, go to. I would side. argue that that's what you and I think. I think there's other people that don't view it that way, yeah. and that, that frustrates me. They view me it as their personal band practice. Yeah. Sometimes. And, 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 and honestly, only happy fun time. Yeah. yeah, and and really, we don't get a lot of guys that are like that. Mm -hmm. We're we're really blessed in that, and yeah. and I'm not I'm not sure why that is because I've been I've been to other jams where it just after yeah. the host band it just descended into yeah. you know, um, and we're really blessed. We look at a lot of guys who want to come out and play with us that are friends and stuff like that, and people we don't know yet, yeah. you know, that they well I heard this is a good place, and we've had you know people uh, contact us. Uh, uh, Dave and Danny and I say, hey, you know, my son wants to come out. He wants to get into the Kansas City music scene, and then all of a sudden that guy's gigging and he's too busy to come to jams. Mm -hmm. Mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. Right on, that's man. great. You know, that that's the goal. Yeah, that yeah. is the goal. Yeah. We, you know, we want them to come back, of course, but we want we want them to get plugged in, and we want our, our jams to be a benefit to people, mm -hmm. and uh, and uh, and they're a benefit to us financially and musically. You yeah. know, mm -hmm. so we we really enjoy uh, seeing people progress and get more comfortable and getting to get gigs. They're in a band and stuff, and you know, I get excited for them. Like, oh, you're in a band now. It's awesome. That's great. You know, like. Then they'll have their band drama. I saw you when you were, yeah, and yeah, my first three years old. Yeah. My I'm trying to figure out my first jam. Um, when I was 19, my my bass teacher Ted Ward, uh, who was a was a great teacher, great bass player, still is, and uh, uh, and really a litmus test on how to how to give lessons and stuff. Mm -hmm. I thought because his attitude was great. He could laugh and joke with me, and we always, but we still got a ton of work done. Yeah, you know what I mean? He, got, he always pulled a lot out of me. That's great. And when I was 19, I started going to go and see the Casey Blues Band at what, it, what is now the Riot Room. It was the Hurricane. Yeah. And that was a Monday night jam. And it was kind of a who's who, man. And, uh, and you know, and, uh, I remember I'm 19. I shouldn't even be in a bar, you know. And my first lesson with Ted, he had me doing stuff with my thumb, like this crazy stuff. And he, and he goes, now, Paul, you want to get up and play a couple of shovels? I'm like, no. 
oh, oh, I was scared. I knew enough to be scared, you know? Yeah. And really, those are the guys you want to encourage to get yes. up. They know enough yes. to be scared. Guys yes. that are completely clueless and are yes. terrible, they have no idea what they're getting into. Yeah. And so, yeah. Um, uh, uh, but my first jams were really, um, I go sit down with the Casey Bottoms band, which was a related band. It was the same organist, uh, singer guy, Larry Van Loon. Mm. And there'd be times I'd have terrible experiences, man, you know, and, but you learn from them. They're humiliating, you know, not because people were terrible to you, but just because, wow, I should know that song. Yeah. Or right. why don't I, why don't I know that kind of We've learning. all had those nights where, yeah. you, you know, you're like, oh my gosh, B flat blues. How come I can't play this tonight? <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> and also like, most of the songs that jams, they're not just one-off songs. They're templates of songs. Yes, you know, yes. why don't I know Stormy Monday? That's a template. Yeah. Not only is it, is it a slow blues, but it's a template yeah, yeah. of slow blues. Yeah. You know, so uh, uh, and so, but you keep you make mental notes, and with YouTube now you can look stuff up. See yeah. how does that really go? You look up yeah. a couple different versions and find the one that matches the one that you failed on, mm -hmm. and uh, and and you know, uh, and and I yeah I, I and. And my jam experiences pale with some of the professional experiences that I've had that were so embarrassing that I couldn't sleep for a year. You know what I mean? I mean, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, and really, uh, and that's because, you know, as musicians, it's not just something we do, it's who we are. Yeah, you know it's identity. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I was yeah. watching that movie, uh, Whiplash, you know, have you seen that movie? Mm -hmm. It's about this uh, super, you know, high-profile uh, studio uh uh, college jazz band and the guy's just merciless on those guys and uh, uh, my friend Scotty McVee uh, I was, who's the best musician yeah, I'm I having know. him on here in a couple and, weeks uh, yeah. yeah he's the she don't tell anybody but he's the best musician I know and uh, mm -hmm. and uh, of course anybody who knows me will like say that yeah he is the best musician Paul knows you know but, uh, but we were talking about that how just brutal he was at that guy but then there's that part he goes yeah but if I see where he's coming from man if I just try harder you yeah, know what I mean yeah, yeah. and uh, when I went to uh, the Musicians Institute, all the teachers there had gotten there because of their, you know, their playing career, right? Not because they're teaching them. Yeah, yeah. And there was, and there was like urban tales, urban myths, of, or and distorted legends of un, almost superhuman human playing prowess. You know, like if Howard Roberts being dead asleep in a session, and somebody smacks him on the arm, wakes him up on the countdown, and he reads this super complicated chart and nails him. You know. <laughs> Yeah, guys like that, and and uh, and Eric's in nature, pretty much. Yeah, and they all had that kind of prowess, man. And you go, you know what? Maybe I got that too. Maybe I should try harder, you know. And uh, and and I tell people that are less experienced, you know, because they're like, oh, I'm so embarrassed. And I'm like, you know, the only difference between me and you is I've been embarrassed a lot more than you. Mm. You know, I had to recover from it. You yeah. Know? And and knocked I mean, down more. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've, I've gotten knocked yeah. down more, man. I've gotten knocked down hard. You yeah. know, and I've been, you know. And I've been like, you know, I've been knocked down and counted all the way down to 10. Everybody thought I was out and I had to get back up. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so. So, so last question on the jams uh, that kind of relates to a little bit of what you just talked about with cluelessness. And that's, I think, maybe what annoys me the most, I guess, is when the jammers are 100% clueless. And that, that's maybe better than, than what, uh, and, and you were talking about where they, they have this kind of ego trip and you, you, so they're up on stage and they, they think they're something else, right? They think they're just awesome, you know, and then you, everybody in the room kind of is not clueless and understands that like, man, you know, you, you, 
can't play a shuffle and you're at a blues day or so whatever they, they yeah. feel. And then I think like what I was trying to get at before is that like, I think one of the reasons why people try to avoid that conversation, even if you say it as nicely as you can, you know, like I, I would think that somebody like yourself or Dave or somebody like that in town, who's, who's very well respected by the other musicians, obviously a good player could come up to like, especially a young, younger person, like in their twenties and be like, man, I'm so glad that you, you know, I'm so glad that you came out to our jam. You know, that was really cool that you got up there. Um, and let's say when you were on the bandstand, you like called out a shuffle and the guy was like, oh, uh, oh, uh, shuffles, uh, 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 let's do a funk, you know? And so then you can kind of use that on them a little bit where you're not judging them anymore. You, you literally are judging what they literally told you. Yeah. Hey man, I was noticing that, you know, that you, you know, we're wondering about doing a shuffle. Um, usually at this jam, we play like 40% shuffles, you know, or 50% yeah. shuffles. Um, what would be really cool is, you know, I think you would have a lot better time here if you were, you know, if you, you know, maybe went home and, and looked at a shuffle a little bit because I think you'd be able to play mo pretty much most yeah. of your songs. If you worded it to them like that, instead of, you know, you suck, never come back, blah, blah, you know, if you're just mean to them, yeah. Do you think that a lot of musicians have a hard time accepting criticism? Yes. And here's the thing, you know, um, um, this yeah. is a people thing yeah, too. It's a, a people lot of thing. people, people and, we, and we don't ever tell people, hey, you suck, don't come back. So we're never like that. Yeah. You know, if somebody's really clueless, they don't understand why we're getting down after one or two songs. They'll be getting what? They, they'll get all mad. They'll be flipping us yeah. off and I'm never coming back here. Yeah. You know, and I'm just like, you know what? Yeah. It's okay, you know yeah. what I mean. I'm, you know, I'm not even, gonna get, and I can't even get riled up about that, man. You know. Oh, whoops! He um, never came back. Oh. Well, yeah, oh, we're just like, you know what? This yeah. guy doesn't understand. I'm not gonna get mad. Um, yeah. And um, um, so, would you want to take two minutes if he? Obviously, he's screaming and yelling, and this is done. You know, this conversation is yeah. over. But if he's sort of a little bit frustrated, would you want to go kind of explain for Oh, absolutely, to, man. Totally, yeah. And, and we like, you know, like, I mean, we like giving like constructive criticism, like, hey, on this next time, try doing it like this. Mm -hmm. right? And uh, and we'll tell them stuff while they're playing, like turn down or do that kind of stuff. Because we got, you know, it's not in their best interest to let them play at the wrong volume. You know what I mean? They have to learn how to do that. Yeah. And it helps them in the long run. So if you really yeah. care, you got to tell people, you know, and as a musician, like who wants to hear something that they don't want to hear anyway, you know, and, you know, but if you're going to hear something you don't want to hear, would you rather hear it in a nice way or would you rather sure. hear it by somebody that is drunk with whiskey on their breast yeah, screaming yeah, about yeah, it, yeah. at it, uh, at you about it, would well, kind That's of screaming about yeah, something yeah, else yeah. anyway, and you have to decipher what they're saying because you yeah. really want to learn, you know, yeah. so the, and so we always try to be, you know, personally, I would hate myself if I was mean to somebody on the jam. Yeah, I'd feel really bad. have a problem yeah, yeah, with yeah. myself. You know, so. Yeah, I just, I definitely wanted to talk about that today because uh, obviously that's a huge just people world problem right now, people hearing criticism. But I think, like, for instance, you know, I don't want to get off on politics, but in politics, it is just known that you just criticize. I mean, you hear it all, you yeah. hear it every five seconds. Somebody, yeah. you, you need to be this. And, and I think with, with like, with like lessons, especially at school, there's a culture of, I just do whatever my teacher says, period. Huh. Like when, when we, when I was at college, all of us never argued with our teacher. 
yeah. whatever piece you want to throw at me, whatever you're telling me, I just, okay, okay, you know, and I do it. And, but when you're dealing with a lot of non, non-trained musicians, even in other bands, especially when you're dealing with it in a band setting where you have guys that now aren't jammers and they are adults and they are professionals, you know? And so now you're, especially for somebody like myself, that's like 35. Now I'm talking down to like a six year old or a 60 year old, you know, trying to tell them that, well, you know, even though I'm, you know, even though I'm supposed to, you know, I'm supposed to respect my elders and stuff, you know, you're playing over everybody all yeah. day, yeah. you know, and, and you know, so, so that's tough when, when you have something that you want to get across to somebody, but well, if, if you, you know. have to say stuff like that, if you're not emotional about it, people will kind of just go, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. If you're all like emotional about it, then, then they'll have that same, they'll have that yeah. kind of defensive response. But yeah. if you just tell them what they need to hear, like it's, you know, like yeah. having ice cream or something, yeah. you know, once again, have you had vanilla ice cream? Yes, I have. There you go. You know, but if you make a big deal out of it, then they're going to be hurt. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I just, I just try to, and I, I know Dave, Dave is like this too, just try not to ever like, never get upset. Man. Yeah, There's yeah. just no point in it, man. Yeah. You know, and you know that for you, this is your jam, but it, it's not personal in the sense that you, if somebody else did the exact same thing, you would feel the exact same way or tell the, or, you know, tell the same person the same thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Hey, watch for the endings of songs. And then the other guy does it. You're like, Hey dude, watch for the endings of songs. Yeah. You know, so you're, so you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. not personal in that Most sense. of those, yeah. pe- most people you say stuff to are really appreciative of it. Yeah, they're like, man, I you'd hope so. Yeah, yeah. you hope so. And I've had people yeah. that have really come up and risen to the ranks and go, yeah, my first jam I was ever at, you were in the host band. And my first thought was like, God, I hope I was being nice that day. <laughs> God, I hope I was nice to that guy or that girl, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, so, so good. So enough about that. I, so the other thing I wanted to ask you a little bit that I think is really interesting and another kind of frustration of mine when I'm in bands is kind of, I'm fascinated by the roles of each instrument and what what their purpose in the band is and and what like not like playing wise what they should be doing like what is their role so so explain to me what the role of the bass is in a band or the rhythm section well the role of the bass is to make it sound low and in the right key you know and and really, you know, really, I, I'm kind of joking, but yeah. it's true. Uh, um, but really, your job is to make the band sound as good as it could possibly sound. People go, man, that's such an awesome band. You're doing the job as your bass player, as the bass player. And people go, man, that bass, I don't know about the band, but that bass player is awesome. That means you're either too loud, you're playing too much stuff. Oh. You know, you're not doing your job. You're not really serving the band. And a lot of, a lot of playing bass is, you know, it's just mule work, man. You're just, you know boop, 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 you know, and, uh, um, and the correct way to do that is like, if you're going to do some solo, have it, have it come out of nowhere and people didn't even think you had it in you, mm-hmm. you know, and if you're playing a style of music, if people think you play only that style, you're doing that style right. You know what I mean? Mm, if you're doing it yeah. so good, they can't, they, they, they're like, they're like, what? He can play jazz? I never saw that coming. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mission accomplished, yeah. man. But people see you playing and they go, oh, I can tell he's really this. I can tell you he's playing rock, but I can, I can tell he's really a funk player. Yeah, yeah. You're not doing it right, man. Yeah, you that's know? interesting. Yeah. Because so. that happens a lot with blues, I think, where blues is so freaking malleable in different, or it's, it's so 
manipulated in so many different genres, especially like country and rock, for example, yeah. where you, you can definitely tell this is not really a country player, right? This yeah. is a blues guy who's yeah. playing Folsom Prison today. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's not a country guy, he's a blues guy. And like, so talk, talk about like, I, I always use the analogy of like, the linemen in football, right? Where it's like they, if if they don't do their job, this crap goes bad, yeah. really bad. Yeah. But when they do their job, nobody cares. You know, is is that? It's like being the janitor case? at the high school. Yes. Nobody notices the janitor until the the toilet's plugged up. Yeah. Yeah. Fun. And and that's part of it, man. But mm. the people you're playing with, they know and they oh, appreciate. They know. It. Oh yeah. And they, they appreciate it and. And uh, I know for myself, if Paul is on his game and knows what's going on, things just go better. Things just go super smooth. You know? yeah, yeah. And uh, and if Paul is not on his game and doesn't know or know what's going on, maybe it's not going to go as well. But, I mean, it just it just seems like that the base is it lays down a lot of groundwork for other things to happen well. And a lot of a lot of playing bass is getting, you know, you got feel and timing and all that stuff, but getting the right sound for what you're doing. Mm -hmm. You need to sound right. For the band you're playing with, mm -hmm. you know, uh, do you have an audible tone? Is it still moving air, but it's audible? Can you still hear the kick drum? Mm -hmm. Is it not clashing with the guitars? And uh, and it's kind of a bummer because a lot of really playable basses aren't worth a darn for cutting through guitars, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, or, yeah. and are even worse for cutting through electric pianos. So, because basically all the other instruments can cut through really well right and bass yeah. is so you everybody always feels the bass but but the really cut through clear sound that you're talking about where it's not too boomy right yeah uh, yeah and a lot of bass players play with too much low end live mm -hmm. you know they get an active bass and they, they just rock over and crank the eq on their bass and then they're like i can't hear myself you know and everybody else is getting mowed over by their sound mm -hmm. um it's, you know, it's a matter of like, and it varies from band to band and room to room. You yeah, know, sure. it's a real. Yeah, Lou, Lou Allen's yeah. is definitely a very interesting room. I mean, yeah. it's a special kind of room that you've got to kind of manipulate your, especially bass, I'm sure. That is one of the few rooms where I actually, ha I have to have a bass with a bridge pickup. I use a precision bass mm -hmm. a lot, but uh, in Lou Allen's, I can't use a P bass because I can't hear what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Unless I'm playing right out by the bridge. And then I'm like, well, why am I doing that? You know, uh, so there's issues of timbre, and uh, uh, with uh, Llewellyn's, that's one of the few places I actually favor my bridge pickup, because mm -hmm. I gotta get that buck, 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 you gotta get that twang and yeah. stuff. Because even if it's not that low indie on stage, it'll be it low just, indie, it'll be plenty it, low indie. It, it rings all over the place yeah. in that room. Yeah. And so, uh, but if, you, if your low end is even a hair too thick, you turn into the invisible bass player. Mm. You're like Paul Samuel Smith in the Yardbirds. Mm. He, he was a guy that had this great like lush tone. He'd come up like then all of a sudden clapping those guys launch in and he's invisible for the rest of the song. Even though he laid down a beautiful foundation, you can't hear him anymore. Yeah. And uh, isn't that funny? Like you're you're so loud, but you still can't hear yourself. Yeah, right? or that's, that's really weird. nobody else can hear you, but they yeah. can feel this sickening low end coming yeah. from you. And, uh, and, I, and I thought when I was younger, um, and it was it was a thing that kind of mystified me because I remember having a really good rig and a good bass, and sometimes I could get a sound, sometimes I couldn't, you know. And I'd see these guys, older guys, on stuff I thought was junk, and they were getting a sound and having a good time. And I was like, man, I don't even deserve to have this good gear if I can't do any better than this. But also I remember being younger and thinking, boy, it'd be easier to play 
bass in a funk band that would be playing bass in a band like Molly Hatchet, mm. where there's like a bunch of guitars, mm. and you've got to get a sound that cuts through that's simple, not too simple, mm. it's ingeniously simple, and it's complicated where it needs to be complicated, and that takes a lot of thought. Mm. And uh, you know, also, and it's not a very glamorous thing to sling your bass down kind of low and maybe bend down like a guitar player because that's what the guitar player is doing on that riff. Most bass players that can really play, they want to they want to cross their legs and 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 sit with their beret and their and their cigarette with the whole cigarette holder and play you know play fretless all day, you know. And you know what? In the real world, man, that tone does not work on songs that have singing. Okay, and. Um, I think it's really easy to be way too technical of a bass player to ever be in a good band, you know? And just like drummers, you know, uh, or, or anybody really, I guess, but especially as a rhythm section instrument, you've got to be really able to get simple, but like simple like a genius. Though, yes, you know? yeah. And, well, one of my favorite bass players for that is the guy who plays for Al or played for Al Jarreau, uh, Ready, Freddie Washington. Mm -hmm. That guy is who I want to be when I grow up, man. He's a sight-reading machine. Mm -hmm. He's a binkety banking phenom. He's awesome. But then he can underplay yeah. like a genius. You know, he, he, he plays yeah. like he wrote the song. Oh, yeah. yeah. See, see, I love, I love that because, like, that, that's, like I said, that's the other thing that I get frustrated by, not just knowing the role of, like, what you're doing but but knowing I'll say this probably many times throughout this this you know this thing series of shows is that I, I think that like having knowing when to play is what makes you sound really really great you know yeah. and that that's I think the thing that for drummers and bass players that probably is the thing that annoys me the most obviously when the, the, the timing is just you know ridiculous that's obviously annoying but but when when you have like let's say you've got like a four piece right you've got bass drums guitar and like maybe a violin or something um i don't know if you agree with this but i think in in a smaller setting like that with only like a four piece i think drums and bass have quite a bit of room there to do some fills and stuff but as soon as you get up to the seven eight piece band yeah do drummers and bass players need to be filling every five seconds no and also even you know as a bass player the bigger the band is, the larger your lead-in tones are. You're less chromatically, and you get more big band, but you're playing like whole steps and minor thirds for lead, you know, mm. lead-in tones. Mm. And uh, um, you know, uh, another another really good example of, of a bass player in a band is country. You know, and and a lot of guys are like, you're country, yeah. you know, and and people don't know, man. If you really if you're gonna play that stuff good, you gotta be a pretty tasteful musician. Mm -hmm. You know, yep. and. Uh, uh, and, and country, you know, uh, it's a very literal locking up with the kick drum, you know, which mm. I don't like to do all the time. I got better things to think of than just the kick drum, you know. You get better things to do with your life. Yeah, well, because it's a, two, you know, because it's a repetitive pattern happens over a two measure, you know, period, and uh, um, so I'm thinking about I'm thinking about the song, man, you know. And but anyway, but with country music, you have to be exactly locked in with every time the kick drum kicks, you kick. You know, yeah, yeah. and other kinds of music like R and B, the kick drum can kick, and you don't have to kick with it. Yeah, you don't have to play with it. Or faded, yeah. or like Latin music, particularly Brazilian, it's interlocking. Yeah, you know, yeah. like the you know the kick drum might go bop, 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 like that, and you're just going bing bing bing. You know, you're you're playing over. You're playing a, you're laying a rhythm over yeah, that yeah, rhythm, yeah. and uh, 
But uh, with country, uh, your lead-in tones are so important. If you go boop, 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 there you know, there's your note like that, you know. Uh, even if you go do 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 do, don't. Even if you end up on the right spot on beat one, if you didn't do the right lead-in tones, it makes sense and take the play, uh, the other player's ear to that. Mm -hmm. You're going to get the look. You're going to go like that. Mm -hmm. It's not like they're. It's just, and it's a knee-jerk reaction. Yeah, you almost yeah. can't help it. Yeah. And you know, if I make a mistake like that, and nobody looks at me. I go. Apparently, apparently, I'm not playing loud enough, or my tone's not punchy. You know, I just got a mulligan on that because my tone was too mushy. Yeah. But uh, um, so your job is to like really understand the form of the song and mm -hmm. do things to make. And if there's singing involved, your job is to do things to make the singer want to sing. Mm -hmm. And uh, and if so, so you, you, your job is to help the singer, and you're not the most important thing. What a concept. Yeah. And yeah, and, and really, and I've, I've told uh, my students this and other younger guys, and they, and they do look askance at me, uh, but um, there uh, is so much to be said for cross-training in music. Um, and uh, uh, meaning that I think it's good as a bass player if you learn how to sing, you start going, huh, you know, when I sing this song, I'm playing about a third as many notes as when I'm not singing it. Maybe somebody is listening to what I am playing and counting on me to be at a certain place at a certain time and I need to be thinking of that. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times if you see me play, if I'm looking right at the singer, that means I'm paying attention, man. I'm thinking about the singer, yeah. you know? And uh, um, uh, so, you know, uh, is for me, and, and I will never be as good a singer as I am a bass player. I haven't put the effort into it. I don't have as good, I can't go, I can't go to the music store and drop four or five grand on a cool voice. You know, you got the one, you know, if you have a Fender Squire Affinity Series voice, that's what you're stuck with. You make the most of it, you know, and you can do a lot with that sometimes. Yeah. But um, uh, I, I have found though, like the better I get at singing, the more I am a good accompanist for people that do sing. Because mm. I'm thinking about, what's gonna, you know, maybe, secure, maybe I should get dropped down here and create a hole for the vocals and, and make that person, relax and get into this intimate moment of music mm. yeah and and a lot of a lot of guys look askance at me for that but i'm like dude it's like totally true man it's been true for me yeah you know so the last thing on bass playing specifically i always thought that like that some guys with with country for example it seems like it's really, really easy, like you were talking about, especially technically, like the technique of it with like that and jazz is not even close, right? I mean, you can't even argue with that. It's just, you know, you can play country as a younger kid. You can't play jazz as a younger kid, you know? I mean, you gotta have some years under your belt and stuff, but, but with country, I always felt that like, what's hard about it is you is kind of the discipline of it in the sense that you've got to just like stay there yeah and some and this always reminds me of like the second grade boys that i teach they might be able to actually do some like sort of kind of intricate playing stuff what they can't do is stand still for five seconds yeah you know what yeah. i mean they, they this little kid they have to be up moving around and they they can't sit still and that's the thing we need them to do most like at school or something. Yeah. And so when you've got like a bass player or a drummer, they they can't. I mean, some guys, like their brain will not let them boom, 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 boom. But 
not for like four seconds, like the whole song, you know, they, they literally can't like their brain, you know, they can't handle that. That's my opinion. I think that's why it's so hard, especially for maybe like people like you and I, who were, were, we have the ability to do all these crazy fills and all this technical stuff and to sit there and do the equivalent of like twinkle, twinkle, little star. it, It feels like, like we can't handle it. You know, because we want to do something, but that's not what the song needs right now. Can you, can you speak on that? A yeah, exactly. Um, uh, it really, it really, it takes a lot of more, a lot more musical horsepower to play the right thing for that moment. To be thinking ahead at what's going on, than to indulge yourself in what's happening in just that second. You have to be in the moment and thinking ahead. Yes. And and you were talking about jazz, um, and I've play a lot of jazz, I've studied jazz a lot, and the biggest thing I got out of jazz is the compositional skills. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, the understanding of composition, because that's the only genre where you get real, those standards, you get real snapshots of actual major and minor key centers. Mm-hmm. You know, blues, regular blues, There's one. Like, it's <laughs> like know, what's all yeah. dominant seventh chords, yeah. and that's a whole different movie. Yeah. You know, uh, and then with rock, there's so much ambiguous tonality, there's no, some of it, there's no sevenths, there's no thirds, you know. And you know, blues is regular, is a it's a minor seven, but with kind of a a bent third. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. neither fish nor fowl. And, yeah. and the fact that that all the one, four, and the five are all dominant seventh that throws out the whole modal thing out yeah, the window. Yeah. And with and with jazz, uh, um, you know, the whole ability to understand how major and minor key centers work, and and pivot chords getting into de- modulating into different mm-hmm. keys. Um, and also the two fives yeah. into whatever, and yeah, and, two five and, into whatever, two five into yeah. Yeah, and, and also as a bass player, that's the only music I found where um, you have to actually have you have to know how to walk from a major seventh chord to a major seventh chord to a dominant to a minor yeah, that's, that's, or the minor seventh. It's you know, no joke, right? Yeah, I mean, a minor seventh flat yeah. five to a dominant flat nine. You know all that stuff, and also you don't have to repeat yourself. You're expected to not repeat yourself as a bass player in jazz. Yeah, and and, and also, you don't have to start on the root note on beat one of every of chord. chord yeah. yeah. And if you do that in any other style, that means you're a terrible musician. In jazz, it's just jazz because it's not yeah. as concrete, right? right. And also, um, it, I found that if most of, most of playing bass well is your ability to think and hear fast, okay? Mm-hmm. And be, if you can solo over those standards and make something comprehensible out of them, you can probably pick up a song on the fly. A country song or a blues song or a rock because yeah, you've yeah. heard it before, yeah. or somebody's sitting there going, you know. And I remember getting my my gig at the General's Inn. I was probably I think I was twenty five, and uh, and I would go on nights where I got off. It was three five set nights and three seven set nights on the on the nights where I got off early. Earlier, I would go up to Marcy's where my friend John Rittner was the, was the bass player band leader. And I would go learn all the old stuff with those guys. Mm-hmm. And they had a guy that, he had all the spaghetti western sounds on his guitar, this guy Lonnie Harper, and he played like this. <laughs> and he couldn't read a note of music, you know, but and when he was doing sessions in Nashville, people just would play the song for him real quick. He had a mind like a steel trap, and he yeah. would get it the first time. Yeah. But he played like this, and these guys knew all the old country songs. Sure. And John would stand at the back of the bar and go, you know, and, uh, and so I would have it for my, house gig because it was an airport you know yeah and you know and uh you know like rocky top or apartment sure, number nine yeah, and yeah. stuff that you know 
Mm. And, and at that time, there wasn't YouTube available. Sure. So it was good, uh, um, good like on the spot learning for me. So, uh, but with, with, the, uh, with the jazz stuff, it's made me to where I understand weak beats and strong beats harmonically mm-hmm. and, uh, and how I can play stuff that isn't in the key center, but when to play it and where to play it and how to use it. You know, and uh, and also with jazz, you know, like uh, most of the time if you do a bass, everybody drops out, and if you hit a major seventh or a flat nine against the the one chord, yeah. you're like the tree that fell in the forest and nobody was there to hear it, right? You know, because nobody has any frame of reference. But in jazz, they actually comp behind you, and you get a lot more creative. You don't have to sure. just go straight up into banky bank mode right. or hit a toe bomb and get all fuzzy. You can actually play some melodies, and guys that are really experienced soloists. They play mel- in jazz. They play melodies that are so good, they should be a song. Yeah. And uh, my my last teacher I I had was uh, Monty Musa, mm-hmm. and uh, he's a guitar player. And we would do we we would go do gigs together and stuff. And and I was there and I still don't believe it. We'd be playing at Jardines or someplace mm-hmm. like that. And he was so good at like zeroing in on what the people were doing. He knew exactly how barbecue to be or how chromatic and how ethereal. And he would play a solo that was so melodic that people would either clap or they would stand up and clap. Yeah. yeah. Like almost every time. I mean, I was there and I don't believe it. Yeah, you know? some, some, some bass solos just are, you know, like just, you know, yay, yay me kind of stuff. But, but then there's some guys like that that are, that are playing straight up good melodies and you're like, holy yeah. crap. Well, I, I got to a point years ago where I could sight read standards and solo over it, just sight reading, yeah. you know, like that. Yeah. That's easy. But doing something that is as a melody, creating melodies on the fly like on that, fly. that's a lot of mental horsepower. Yeah, that's you've got to you got to put on your big yeah. boy pants. Yeah. you know. So yeah. You, so last thing on that is you were, you know, unfortunately back to the back to the open jams with jazz specifically that when when you don't hit that one, right? So you're doing this huge, huge swing piece and you're, you know, you're walking like crazy, you know, the whole time, you can accidentally not necessarily hit the one on every single measure and everybody like doesn't flinch at all, right? But, but in that genre, it sounds good. It does and sound good, but, but I'm, I think that one of the things is that you're not, like this always drives me nuts. When, when you play like, when, you, when you're doing like a boom chuck, and then somebody decides to do a train instead, uh-huh. right? You know, to me, that's the same freaking beat. You know, it sound, it feel, it, it, the tempo is exactly the same, uh-huh. and it, that does not screw me up one bit when a guy does boon chuckle right into a train, at all. Mm-hmm. Like it, it screws me up literally zero. And I think part of the reason why it sounds good, and not just that that the bass playing sounds good in jazz. I think it's because the players are such good listeners that that you do one little thing and that doesn't screw them up. Yeah, you know, I don't know if you agree with that or not, but well, I agree. And but but also when you're in that kind of mindset, you know, you're you're thinking a lot quicker in jazz yeah. than you do in other styles of music, and uh, and so you know when somebody plays the three or the six against the one. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that's fine, man. Or the four against the two. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. fine, but it sounds weird if you do that in another style. Oh, yeah. If you, if, you, if you come in on the third instead of the one on the bass on another style, it sounds bad. Yeah. It does not yeah. sound good to me. And, uh, 
And, and what I've noticed, though, you can sneak that stuff in in other styles, but it has to be just a different color of inside. Yeah. It's not outside. You're not trying to be outside. Sometimes you want to sound outside, but yeah. a real effective way of, of doing that, that kind of uh, specialty kind of stuff, like superimposing a you know mixolydian mode over something that you know mm. that shouldn't really have it, but it works, you yeah, know, yeah. Um, uh, or, or a lydian mode, I mm. should say, uh, is you know. Uh, is it just sounds like it sounds just like a different color mm-hmm. of inside? Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And that's in particular like on like on jazz, like torchy ballads, man. You know, if you do if you do some kind of uh, diminished arpeggio, if you do it right, it doesn't sound. It doesn't sound like Ellie Mae Clampett going mm-hmm. going down down the stairs or out to the cement pond to play with her critters. It doesn't sound like a loop 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 loop. You know, it sounds yeah. it sounds like just a different texture. Yeah. of inside the guys that are really good like Monty uh, that, that do that kind of stuff and Dave does that stuff too Dave definitely does that on yeah. some not minor stuff but maybe some bluesy stuff and he'll throw that like Arabian chord kind of stuff yeah. I, I can't think of what mode he's doing but uh, but yeah he'll do that too and it sounds great you know, yeah it sounds really appropriate for uh, it just sounds like a continuation of what he's mm-hmm. doing even in blues stuff um uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan, when he came along like in the 80s, I think he saved the blues, okay? And, uh, I mean, here's a blues guy, he's on MTV, okay? Yeah, yeah. But also, he got all those baby boomers and young white kids back into listening to the blues yeah. and stuff. But his rhythm section kind of changed the game in that, you know, it's a three-piece band, you know, he's soloing for 15 minutes. You can't do the exact same thing over and over again. Yeah. So they're doing different things they're following his train of thought. They're doing different things that are also making him think of different things. Yeah, yeah. And so they, I talked about that with my buddy last night, how that's what's so cool is that like you'll, and the, this was the example I made the other time, is when you're doing like a slow blues and then the bass starts to do that walk and the and the drummer goes with him and now all of a sudden you've kicked this slow blues up into a, you know, and all of a sudden the soloist difference so like you're helping him think of it you're helping the soloist go somewhere yeah. else right yeah. like and everybody's like why was that so cool well that oh that's because the bass did a walk that's because yeah. the bass it's not the soloist really that's because the bass did something totally different there yeah. you know um yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. It, it, it just you know it, it, you know, uh, the, the soloist might be doing a lot of the same things, but you change the thing underneath them yeah. mm-hmm. that they're soloing to, yep. and that kind of makes it sound different too. Sure, yeah. So, so I got a, just a couple more here, a couple more quick ones. What was something in uh, in a previous band, like thinking about the running of bands and stuff that that didn't work, like in a band you were in? Um, if you don't understand your role, you know, mm-hmm. that needs to be really clear, like. Um, are you the band leader? Are you a band member? Or are you a side man? Mm. You know, and your role as a side man is to be, yes, sir. Yes. You know, and as a band member, you've got you've got skin in the game. You've got a, you've got an interest in everything. You know, and uh, 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 and then as a band leader, your job is to, to lead. You know. Yeah. And if the guys are mad at you sometimes, so be it, man. Yeah. You've got to wear the pants. You know, somebody's got to be the boss of the band, in every single band. Yeah. And uh, it can't be a democracy. It has to be a benevolent dictatorship at best. Yeah. And uh, 
there's been times I got had temporarily gotten confused on what the role was, you know, am I a band member? Which one you were, yeah. or which one another yeah, person and, uh, was, yeah. Yeah, and uh, once you get that hashed out, though, things run a lot smoother, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, that's, that's a good answer. I know we've, my band has talked a lot about that and how sometimes, uh, talked about this last session with my bass player last night, that... Sometimes it's not ter terrible if you want to talk about like the idea of leaders or followers, you know, followers is a negative word, but you've got to have somebody run the band like yeah. you just said. And sometimes it's not completely bad to not have five leaders, you know, because yeah. yeah, yeah. that's when you yeah. start. And, yeah, and, and, and really as a leader, if your band members aren't playing well in that context, that's your fault. And I think one of the best band leaders of all times is Miles Davis. Mm -hmm. He was the king of, was hey, legendary. Bob, yeah. I saw you at your gig, okay? I like how you play. I want you to come in the studio and play in this template I'm going to give you. Be Rob in this template. Yeah, yeah. And he did that so good that mm -hmm. all those guys became stars in their own life. Uh -huh, every one of them, right? And how many I mean, times yeah. did he redefine jazz doing that? Yeah. And uh, that guy, he, he was really good at, at, at going, okay, I have this sound. You would be terrible for this, but you would be really good for that. You know, he, yeah. he was like, I want yeah. you to do you, like you just said, in this, because you're going to sound really good over that. And he yeah. just had a mind there to know, like, everybody's ability level, not just being good or not, yeah. but, like, literally what their specific ability level was, right? Yeah. yeah. And um, really, you know, as a band leader... You want guys that kind of know what you're going to play next. You know, and I know as a as a side man or uh, as a side man, um, if I if I kind of know what that guy is going to play next, that means I'm on the right track. I'm inside his head. Yeah. yeah. You know, and uh, you want to feel like you're that you're you know you're pushing in the same direction as the band leader. You know that you're really on board and you're 100. percent You're you're yeah. And uh, and if it's music, and also I would also say if it's music that you don't like. You probably shouldn't play it, mm. you know. And uh, and I've had a couple of times where people approach me about stuff, and I listen to their stuff. I go, you know what? It's really good for what it is, but I don't like that stuff. Mm -hmm. You should not hire me. You should yeah, hire me yeah. as somebody that's a fan of that music. Yeah. And I'm not detracting from other certain styles. Like when I started playing country, I did not love country music. Right. Me neither. I yeah, but I grew into it. it. Yeah. You know, but then I grew to love it as I understood how it worked, and I found the heart and soul of it. Yeah. You know. And I think it's important to whatever style of music you're playing, you need to really find the heart and soul of it and, and make that resonate in you. It needs to be something that resonates in you so that you're not just playing the gig, you're a protector of that music. And, uh, and I think a lot of people are really bad about, especially if they've got a lot of ability, they, they kind of can just wing it so much that they never mm -hmm. learn the stuff. You know, to the detriment of, and I've seen bands where guys couldn't pull off a three-chord song if they didn't rehearse it but their band was great they had a great concept and they worked really hard mm -hmm. at it and they ended up surpassed it's like it's like you know in certain junctures you know uh beethoven passed up mozart and that you know mozart was such a natural he could be on a date at a restaurant scribble some stuff on a napkin and, and you know and it's all time great music yeah and do it do it you know finish do do add a couple of different dudes later on when he got home and he's done you know, and Beethoven did not have that much ability. He had tons of ability, yeah, right? Was, yeah, I mean, but, but you know, Mozart had even more, but Beethoven had, Beethoven had to try a lot harder, mm. and he had to torture himself with it, man. Mm. And so he came up with some really beautiful stuff that mm. kind of hits you more at a gut level. 
Yeah, he's one of my favorites, Beethoven. You know, and, sure. I mean, of course, I mean, his ability level is unbelievable. I mean, you know, he, he was deaf as opposed to a certain juncture. I could still remember what everything sounded like yeah, and like music. Right? So. Yeah. So, so like, um, a couple more here. What, what advice? So we're talking. What I'm talking about here is like the twenty year oldish people that are just starting to kind of gig or just uh, not kids, but you know, twenty year olds that are just getting into this gigging stuff. What advice would you have for them? Um, I would say learn the music, um, understand your role, be punctual, be easy to work with, have a good attitude, look people straight in the eye, uh, you know, say thank you, mm. you know, um, you know, because you know the running joke is how do you get a musician to pl complain? Give them a gig. Give them a gig. Know? I love that line. And, yeah. uh, how do they complain? Give them a gig. People that people that really that I've met that really make a lot of money playing music. They've got like stone cold killer abilities, right? But also, they're really easy to work with, mm. and they're easy to get along with. And whatever gig they're on, they treat that gig like it's the most important thing they've ever done. Mm. They bring their a, a game to mm. every gig, and uh, and I, that's something that I've tried to aspire to. Whatever gig I'm on, you know, I'm I'm gonna do my best. Yeah. You know? How come you just mentioned five non musical things? Isn't that interesting? Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like yeah, that, that's what I always find hilarious with my students is that it you know, most of the time it's not about the person's playing. It's about like their mind and their psychology yeah. and, and I mean you just so what do you say? Show up on time, yeah. right? Be in a good attitude, say yes or no sir, right? Have a say thank you say and also thank you. Focus. Focus. Yeah. Because you know? yeah. most I think most most musicians are People that, you know, I mean, personally, I didn't do well in school. I couldn't pay attention. I didn't go, you know, I didn't yeah. go to school, you know, yeah, yeah. very much, you know. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, I went more when I had to pay for it in college. I did a lot better at paying attention when I had hmm. the skin of the game. But, uh, yeah, yeah, but also, yeah. you know, really, um, you know, there's the things that you learn in college about playing music, and those are invaluable training. Mm. But then there's your real-life gig skills that yeah. come in. Yeah. And... And yeah, you, know, you might be able to play circles around somebody else, but if that guy's got the sound and the feel that's perfect for that music, you know, uh, that's the guy. Um, and a friend of mine told me years ago, he said, hey, don't be looking down your nose at those older guys that are, that are working more than you, okay? Mm -hmm. you, need to, you need to look at them and make use of what they're doing, you know? Mm -hmm. Isn't that a valuable tip? That's that pretty awesome. I think on that, on that, that line, I, I was probably right at the beginning of college. I tried to have kind of my nose up in the air about, oh man, the, this original music and jazz, all oh, this is the stuff, all you other people playing that country blues, whatever, you know, all the covers, all the, you know, and, and then I was thinking later on, I'm like, wait a second, this guy does improv, you know, he's, he's improvising, doing solos and stuff in his songs, and he's playing a bunch of cover tunes and I'm kind of laughing at him, but this guy knows like 300 songs. His catalog is monstrous, right? I mean, he is, and I'm like, why am I dogging this guy? He's got more songs than I do. You know, maybe if his soloing ability isn't up to this other person, this guy can barely go play in a band because all he can do is really solo. He doesn't have real songs in his head. Yeah. So I had a lot of respect for some of those other guys, like a lot of the random guys playing cover type bands in town, you know, that are, they're really good musicians. They have like 300 songs they know, and they can throw it. And Dave's one of those. Yeah. I mean, that he has a like, you know, pick a pick a funk song. Uh, 
all right, this one, boom, and he just starts it, you know, and, and like he's just ready to go all the time. Yeah. And I, I think that's like, I mean, that's pretty valuable, right? And there's, there's also a, a job skill set of playing in cover bands where uh, I was doing a contemporary uh, worship gig uh, a few years ago where the guy that was the guitar player was a ferocious jazz player, mm -hmm. right? And he did a good job, you know, but he also had some cover band experience. Yeah, uh, the, or the one of the other guys in the band was just a jazz player, and it was a real challenge for him to get these six-minute, you know, borderline Nickelback-esque yeah, forms yeah. in their you know, three the same three chords but jumbled up. Here you lay out, here you right, come in, yeah, and yeah. so um, those guys that play in a lot of cover bands, they have the ability to boil down the essence of those songs, get rid of the superfluous production, boil down the essence of the song, retain the essence of the song. And be able to call it if you call it up, they can they can they just scroll yeah, it back yeah, up yeah. in their head and they're right in that moment. Yep. And that and that and guys that are great studio players have that fifteenfold. Yeah, right, they can right. go right back to that moment of music and remember exactly what they played and what the it's overdubbed. Yeah. You know, and so there's a uh, you know, and there's some of these Opry shows which are you know they get less and less every year as that crowd dies off. I mean that's a crowd that's been dying off since. You know, yeah. since Hank Senior died, yeah, you know, right, so the fact right. that it's still around is amazing. But those guys will have to learn thirty songs every week yeah. for yeah. a different artist that comes in, and they show up. Most of them don't even have charts; they're just yeah. they got it. That's what kills me about country, and we'll, we'll finish up here. But that, that's what kills me about country is that like one of the things is that all the songs do sound the same, but there's a one one five four intro. And then this next song is the exact same, and it's a one-four-one yeah. intro, right? And then, the, yeah. and then in this song you have this tiny one-five-one turnaround, and then this other song doesn't. It's the same song without yeah. a, a turnaround in the middle. It's all barely different. It's the same freaking song, right? I yeah. mean, you get a you get a bunch of like waltzes, right? And they're 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 all the same song, you know? I mean, really, you know? But they're so barely different, and that's like a skill to learn that, to remember those forms yeah. of all those songs. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, that uh, that blew me away when I joined my first country band, how right. hard it was. It, to me, I think it would be easier to, to memorize a three-hour complicated jet. Like, for me, it's easier to remember complicated songs than, like, six of the exact same song that are barely yeah. different. I don't know if that is for you, but it, it you know, that's kind of a weird thing. I mean, do you... Is it, is it harder for you to remember a whole bunch of them that are barely different from each other and easy? Yeah, or is, there, is it easier to do the hard, the hard stuff? Or the whatever? hard stuff is almost easier because there's so many things to latch onto to remember. Yes. And uh, yes. the stuff that's like very similar, the key to remember to memorize those effectively is be able to call up the essence of the song, mm. and then you remember, oh, it does a quick two five there because yeah. the words do this. Yes. And then it fits into this over here, and then later on it does the long two five mm. because they're going into this, mm -hmm. and that's a big part of the song. You understand it, then you'll remember it every time. But if you're going, is this the song that does the one thing? And, uh oh, <laughs> nope, wrong. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I just thought that was always really funny. Um, uh, yeah, so, so last question here. Um, I know when musicians talk to each other, they always have, there's always some story that everybody has, you know, because talking to other musicians is hilarious. I, I don't know if you have, if you've had a, I mean, you've played a 
you know, hundreds of gigs, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, you have uh, something that comes to mind that was kind of a ridiculous night that you'll kind of never forget, or? Um, there, there are so many of those that, you know, that obviously real life is so much stranger than fiction. <laughs> that you know there's guys that miss time they're drinking and drugging and they mm -hmm. fell out on the gig yeah. and you have guys that are dead asleep with their head on the piano you know that kind of stuff um uh most of the time uh the stories involve like really crazy stuff happening in front of you, you know? yeah and i used to play danny montero and i used to play a gig called the monroe end and we did it with uh, Gino Bueno and Bobby Zayner, Loose Change. Mm -hmm, yeah. And Bobby Carson was the guitar player, and and we would play, be playing down there. And they sh probably should have had Chicken Wire there, but the only thing that saved us was they really loved the band. Because yeah. we would do like a country song, we'd do a funk song, we'd yeah. do Nirvana. We'd really changed it up good. And Gino was really good at that. He's a yeah. people person. And uh, but there was uh, two or three times that the police came in there, guns drawn. <laughs> Chasing people, zigzagging through the bars, we're going boom, 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 literally like this. We're like hands up, okay, and then we have to go back to playing. You know, that happened a couple of three times down there to chase people. They chase a perp, zigzagging through the bar in in one door and out the other, with their flashlights, guns drawn, and everything. And literally, we had to put our hands up in the middle of playing. Yeah, <laughs> that literally that really did happen. That's funny, dude. Like, oh yeah. my gosh. <laughs> or you see some guy get in trouble with it. With uh, uh, years ago, I was playing with a, in a band where the guy was uh, he was seeing multiple girls, and they all showed up one night at the same gig. And they're sitting in a booth across from us, and they're looking over him, arguing with each other and pointing at him. And he had pretty self-medicated pretty heavily at that juncture sure. already, so he was in no way or shape form ready to deal with what was getting ready to go oh, down sure. yeah. and i can't remember what he did but i was like oh, i am so glad i'm not oh, that guy because i'm funny. watching it going I'm like ooh. three uh three lady three of your ladies show up at the same bar. it was a real uh, bad night for him man <laughs> i was like man ooh. Yeah. that's funny dude yeah that's funny man um so yeah talking talking about a talking about a bunch of stuff any any anything else you got man no, huh? Thank you so much for having me, Rob. I really appreciate it. It's an yeah. honor. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, man. You know, like I said, we're we're trying to get a bunch of different people on that have have something to say, and we didn't really get a chance much to talk. Maybe if I bring you on again, we can talk a little bit more about teaching. We didn't okay. really talk too yeah. much about that. We said a little bit, I guess, but um, yeah, man, we're trying to get you know guitar players, country guys, jazz guys, teachers, anybody on here theater people whoever you know and talking about some stuff that I hope people would find interesting so um, I think that's that's pretty much it music talk Paul Greenlees check us out next time <laughs>